Hello and welcome to Over the Edge. This episode features an interview between Matt Trefiro and Dario Sabella, the European Telecommunications Standards Institute MEC chairman. Dario drives new technologies and edge cloud innovation for new communication systems. He helps standardize tech ecosystems and coordinates alignment on edge computing across SDOs and industry groups. As chairman of the ETSIMEC, he also helps oversee the standardization of an open environment, allowing for efficient and seamless integration of applications across multi-axis edge computing platforms. In this episode, Matt and Dario discuss the importance of standardization as it pertains to MEC and the work of Etsy. Dario provides insight on different practices for deploying processes and workload at the edge. He emphasizes why collaboration within the telecommunications industry is critical to best serve customers and what's necessary for the future of edge computing. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsors. Over the Edge is brought to you by Dell Technologies to unlock the potential of your infrastructure with edge solutions. From hardware and software to data and operations across your entire multi-cloud environment, we're here to help you simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com for more information or click on the link in the show notes. Two years ago, when I started the Over the Edge podcast, it was all about edge computing. That's all anybody could talk about. But since then, I've realized the edge is part of a much larger revolution. That's why I'm pretty proud to be one of the founding leaders of a nonprofit organization called the Open Grid Alliance, or OGA. The OGA is all about incorporating the best of edge technologies across the entire spectrum of connectivity, from the centralized data center to the end-user devices. The Open Grid will span the globe and it will improve performance and economics of new services like private 5G and smart retail. If you want to be part of the Open Grid movement, I suggest you start at opengridalliance.org, where you can download the original Open Grid manifesto and learn about the organization's recent projects and activities, including the launch of its first innovation zone in Las Vegas, Nevada. And now, please enjoy this interview between Matt Trefiro and Dario Sabella. Say, hey, Dario, it's great to have you on Over the Edge podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I love to have this conversation with you today, and thanks for inviting. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things I like to do is is share some of the background of my guests with my audience. And I'm wondering, like, how did you get into technology? Do you remember? Was there a moment, something formative that happened? Oh well, this is a nice question. It was a long, long time ago, more than 20 years ago, uh, in this domain. And now, of course, I'm here having the pleasure to talk with you, uh, representing Etsy Mac, the standard body on edge computing. But of course, I started when I was uh, younger as a system specialist and as an engineer on a system on chip, small startup, and then moving to the operator domain, working for Telecom Italia, a major telecommunication operator in Italy, and then moving recently, five, six years ago, in Intel, and our senior manager in next generation and standard division. So it's a, <laughs> it's a long journey, and I did a lot of changes in my career. But I, I'm happy also to, to discuss with you on those uh, edge computing topics, having also the background from different other domains that I explored in the past. So thanks for the question. Yeah, you bet. One of the things that, that I think is confusing to people that are first coming into telecom, and obviously you've been in telecom for a good portion of your career, are all the different standards bodies that contribute to this global phenomenon we have, which is wireless communications. Can you 
outline sort of the top sort of standards bodies and then fit Etsy, which is a standard body, into that that picture and explain how all these groups, at least the top three or four, interact with each other? So, so indeed, the, the world of standardization is a very, very articulated and complex. There are many bodies and groups which are covering different areas. And the role of Etsy is quite wide. Eh? Of course, here today, I'm just talking with you about the MEC, Mac, on edge computing. But of course, the, the work from Etsy started a lot of years ago, working on many ICT technologies, starting from 2G, the advent of the SIM card, if you remember, but now also covering many, many areas from the artificial intelligence, cybersecurity. Of course, there are many other standard bodies, and of course, in this entire world, it's also good and desirable <laughs> that also not only within Etsy, but also with other organizations, that, that there should be, of course, a good harmonization. This is, of course, a topic which is nowadays very important for global applicability of standards. It's important to have a standard specification in place for every technology. It's also equally important for the market to not be confused and not, not having a multiple standards conflicting yeah. on the same topic. This will be bad because this will have a maybe more market fragmentation. Instead, the harmonization among the standards is very important. How, how right? would you describe the role that Etsy plays in the standard world compared to, say, like the GSMA? GSMA is not a standard body. It's an industry trade oh, association. Okay. So I will not see this overlapping in terms of work because actually we have a good collaboration with GSMA. Yeah. GSMA recently joined as well, the membership of Etsimec. We are collaborating with this kind of industrial associations. This is critical and vital for standard bodies. In Etsy, Mac, for example, we are working with them, respectively, for example, populated by many stakeholders, not only operators, but I would say mainly representing the voice of service providers. And this is very important for the standard to capture the requirements what is in the need from these kind of oh, stakeholders and then put in the standards. That's our role. It's that a kind of a customer-based approach, customer-oriented approach. Yeah. I like to talk about customers because actually they are who are requesting urgently or not urgently a standard. And then we have to do the work which is useful for them. When you say customer, do you mean... Yeah. The, the telecom providers, the, the communication service providers, or do you mean like the enterprises that m might consume services that are delivered over a wireless network? Oh, thank you for the question, because you are hitting a very important point, in my opinion. If you look at the membership in Etsimec, this is a very heterogeneous set of stakeholders. The membership is continuously growing. I don't want to do advertisement. I was very happy and proud to see in June 2021, we were like 110. Now we are under than 25. The membership is growing and say continuously, not just populated by a single category of stakeholders. So coming to your question, customers, who is the, the beneficiary of the standard? Huh? Why are we doing this? Not just because we love papers and we love writing something useless that nobody <laughs> will read. This is another story. If you like writing something, but you have to, I don't know, do something else. No, we want really to do only what is needed by the industry. This is my approach, not because I'm lazy, <laughs> but because I don't want to over-engineer, over-standardize everything. And then having a customer-oriented approach is critical. Then your question, who is our customer? If we identify other businesses, uh, if you identify your customer, then you know what you have to do. And our membership is a 
indication of what is the heterogeneous ecosystem that is interested to work in Mac. Of course, there are maybe people who are just there watching and passively attending or understanding. They want to learn. There are also engaged companies and also more active companies. Our customers are, let's say, in two main categories, even if, of course, if you look at the membership, there are operators and telecom providers, telecommunication companies in a wider sense, also IT companies, not traditionally in the domain of IT. I cannot Intel, mention... Intel, for example, is yeah, thought you as a telecommunication provider. You mentioned yeah. this. As a chairman, I should be, let's say, impartial. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> because, but of course, it's not an advertisement for my company. But of course, yeah. Intel is a stake there. And yeah. also, let's say, all the companies in the entire value chain, from service providers to chipset producers, but also terminal side and why not smaller companies, startups. This is a key point, maybe not well captured by everybody. The ISG Mac that I'm representing is ISG. In terminology, in Etsy terminology, ISG means industry specification groups. That means that you don't need to be necessarily Etsy member to join Mac. Okay. It's a cheaper way because you don't have to pay the annual fee, for example, if you want to be Mac participant. Of course, being Mac member gives you more rights. I don't have the details, but if people are interested, this is a mechanism that Etsy took in place also to attract the smaller entities and companies and startups, even everybody, but including also research centers, university governments. There are governments yeah. also in Mac. Every kind of stakeholders can be interested in that at every level. The ISG Mac is lowering the barrier to enter and joining this kind of group because we really want to welcome all the stakeholders in the value chain in the ecosystem. Our customer in two categories, I can group them. Even if the companies are very wide, also including universities, as I said, and governments and smaller companies, bigger giants, and so on. But if you really want to understand who will benefit from the specification, then we have two categories. One is infrastructure owners, whoever is working on building the edge. And the other side, application developers, who is going to consume this infrastructure to design applications these are the two bigger categories. To oversimplify, of course, yeah. uh, simplification is not always perfect. I always say to my colleagues in the group, we have to focus to both categories. This is a chicken-egg problem. Eh? Yeah. Very simple to remember. The, the edge computing success depends on engaging the two categories. If you instead insist on in, engaging one of the two, you will fail. Yeah. Example? I start asking operators or infrastructure owners, please deploy Mac. Oh, yeah, the answer could be, oh, yes, I would love to, but I don't see the ecosystem of applications. Okay, so you, I, I go knocking at the door of application developers, and they are fully busy in designing apps for the mobile. Please, can you design something for the edge? Yeah, I would love to, but I don't have infrastructure. So, so at the end of the day, for the success of edge computing, we have to approach both kinds of categories of stakeholders. And the point is what we can do as a standard body. Right? So the specifications, to give you an example, are not enough. The application developer is very busy in the design of the application. They don't have the time to read the PDF, even if this is publicly available for free. <laughs> and we realized this years ago. 
That's why, for example, we publish the open API representation of all the APIs in the Etsy Forge portal and YAML files, everything else, which can be also not only human readable, but also machine readable, also for testing purposes, for automation of testing. We organize a plug tests event for the interoperability and make hackathons. For example, now we are organizing that will be in October, the final prize giving day for a make hackathon where we invite application developer with a technical challenge to deploy an application and design application using Mac APIs. That's more practical work. I would say not less or more important than specifications and standards because maybe the standards are instead read by who is going to build the infrastructure. They want to do things properly. They have to do it to comply with the standard, but that's not enough. We play this kind of double game because also we established since some years also the code working group exactly on that direction to attract the ecosystem of developers with this kind of other complementary activities rather than a traditional production of specifications, right? Not only paper, but also other actions which are equally important. Yeah, and that, that's probably unique in Etsy's life cycle. Before we go on, you and I are talking about Etsy Mac because we know what it is. But, you know, a lot of our listeners might not. I've sort of followed the history of Etsy Mac, even before, like when Nokia was doing liquid apps and things like that. And originally it was called Mobile Edge Computing. And it was yep. that way for a long time. And then at some point it became multi-access edge computing. So can you help us understand what you mean by multi-access and what drove the sort of rebranding of the group? That's one of the, my favorite questions, Matt. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I believe this was a very smart move. We have to acknowledge that at the very beginning, the Mac initiative started at the end of 2014. That was very early time. Really and genuinely needed and, and driven by operators. It's a fact. And specifically and of, telecom wireless operators. Yes, exactly. Right. So that's why the acronym MEC, Mobile Edge Computing, having in mind always a cellular network mm-hmm. in terms of location where I can put my edge servers. But then the industry recognized that that's not enough. Let's not limit to the cellular network. Yes, that will be a big driver. And what is the importance of a cellular network, which is still there, it's in the mainstream, okay? But that's not enough. Let's not limit Mac to cellular networks. It's used widely by everybody, right? And why not widening the scope and including also other kind of access technologies? So Wi-Fi and fixed access. That's what we are doing since Mac phase two in, uh, I believe, 2017. And we started not only by developing APIs, for example, tailored to the practical information that you can get from the radio access network, which is still a core business of Mac, but also including APIs for the wireless LAN and the fixed access. Right. So in principle, yes, Mac is access agnostic. I can tell you for sure this is something that was requested by the industry. I'm very happy of this move. I believe it was a wise choice, a wise move. And also by keeping, I'm connecting to what I said previously, by keeping cellular network and 5G as a mainstream, because it's obvious that we are seeing that, of course, the advent of Mac is also coming together with a stronger, let's say, emphasis now together with the arrival of 5G. But if you look at 
definition of Mac. It's a really interesting. There is a sentence in the website. It's a multi-access edge computing MEC offers application developers and content providers cloud computing capabilities and an IT service environment at the edge of the network. What kind of service environment? IT. Service IT service environment. Got it. IT. Okay. I'm not telling you at the edge of the mobile network. At the edge of the network, full stop, in general. And also, this sentence is quite smart and competent because it's telling you... When you really, say edge of the network, do you mean yeah. the access network and not the on-premises LAN? No, can be. Can be. Can even. be. Okay. That, that's interesting because if you look at the specification... I guess the Wi-Fi could yeah. be... The, yeah. Good yeah. Point. And by the way, we are not telling you and mandating where the edge should be exactly, mm-hmm. even in the in the cellular network. I have to be fully honest. Also, by absolute implementing Mac in the cloud, but it's possible in principle, any kind of level of deepness of the edge is right. possible. Because at the end, it's a cloud computing but that you can put wherever you want. I'm telling you why it's crazy, because there are two advantages of the Mac. One is the location. Eh? It's a real estate problem, right? <laughs> so giving you the close proximity to the user, you have benefits in terms of latency, bandwidth, and so on and so forth. But the other benefit is collecting measures and input and data and information close there at the I edge of the I was going to ask network. you about that. That, that, that. That's why it would be absurd to uh, have the edge somewhere else. Of course, uh, it's a kind of a trade-off. You have to decide where you want to deploy Mac. But in principle, if you look at the standard, there is no specific requirement for a certain level of the edge. This was a choice since the beginning from operators and Mac phase one. I want to have this flexibility. Since Mac is based on software, I want to have this opportunity to adaptively decide, also because of the workload and the needs and the different, I don't know, requirements in terms of latency. I want to have the degree of freedom to choose where I want to put my workload at the edge. How far should be? This is intentionally not told in the standard. I know that can be, let's say, a disappointing answer, but when people is asking me where is the edge, Often there is a foggy answer like this. It can be wherever you want. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, no, I've I even though my podcast is called Over the Edge, part part of my shtick is you know, it's it's you have to be very clear about what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is maybe spreading confusion, but honestly, we have to give also the honest answer. It can be a really opportunistic the location where you want to deploy Edge. That's also the benefit of decoupling hardware and software and, and, and virtualizing everything uh, and doing this in an FV environment and, and virtual machines, containers. That's the power of cloud transformation where Mac is a part of this journey. So why not exploiting this flexibility? And then why not consider many kind of deepness of the Edge that are perfectly fine in principle? Of course, there are trade-offs, but these are deployment choices which depends, for example, on convenience, requirements, but also costs. Because it's obvious, it's kind of a very straightforward. You can imagine when, if you move closer to the edge, you may have benefits in terms of reducing the latency end-to-end because you are closing to the end, end user. But of course, you have a problem in terms of scalability. Bigger number of servers need to be maybe deployed to be there. Maybe also possibly co-located with the radio base stations, for example, and then this is coming with a higher costs. So there is a trade-off. Of course, this is up to infrastructure owners 
having a, a look to the what is the traffic, maybe also over time during the years, they can change their deployment flavors and options over time, depending on the situation and the convenience. We don't want to mandate a certain specific deployment option unless this is needed critically from a standard perspective. So in general, our approach in standard to be open as much as we can, just to open the market, not impose any kind of specific deployments. Because also you can recognize that that can be different, also conflicting needs or preference from different operators or stakeholders. And now also they are collaborating with hyperscalers. So there are many possibilities in terms of Mac deployments. You mentioned that that sort of the vision of Etsy is to create a application developer friendly cloud environment out at the edge. I'm oversimplifying with that. I would say that if you asked an executive at Amazon or Microsoft or Google what they want to do with their cloud, they would say something very similar. So can you help our listeners understand how those two, two statements can be true, or maybe they're not, maybe they're in conflict, or maybe they're in harmony? How does all that like actually work? Like Not conceptually, but how would a hyperscaler and the MEC standard work together yeah. out at the edge? Let's not hide the, the more and most interesting questions also for the people here listening at this podcast. So let me also add another ingredient to the game, also open source. Because it's typically the case that I know very well my colleagues and standard delegates, which are very proud of what we do in the standard and specifications. They, they like to think, oh, there is a, some of them, not of course everybody, but if you are, let's say, very skilled in producing specifications and standards, you can do it optimally and make me think, okay, this will be like a holy Bible that everybody will use. This is not the case. There is an entire world outside standard that doesn't care about standards. Let's be honest on that. Starting from open source implementation and proprietary implementations and other stakeholders that are maybe not still not adopting a standard. The standard is there for a reason, for a long-term interoperability and stability, the need and the approach to standardize things is not to over-engineer everything because otherwise you are risking to close the market. This is going really against also your interest. So what we are doing, for example, with Etsy, you mentioned some stakeholders like AWS. I had also some chat NLF Edge event where I was in a panel with those kind of other stakeholders. They are actually mm -hmm. very interested in edge computing. And we are working with many operators which are also doing trials on Mac in collaboration with upperscalers. I can tell you also, we are working hard with the GSMA and the OPG group, OPG stands for Operator Platform Group. And this is populated by many stakeholders. There is a project also in the CNCF called Camara on open source related to a big concept called the Telco Edge Cloud. In the standard, we call it Mac Federation. It's mostly the same thing. Basically, why I'm telling you, because this is a joint interest from many global operators and also hyperscalers and partners on edge computing. You just released uh, a white paper on that, right? On yeah, the Federation? Exactly, yeah, in exactly. June. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, this is just a white paper, not the standard. The standard will come soon. Mm -hmm. But we started one year ago by publishing a first report on this, exploring the Mac Federation. This was triggered by many operators. It was driven by KDDI, supported by Telefonica, Vodafone, other operators, and many other technology providers. And this was is requested strongly as a study by GSMA. We started then this journey in collaboration, not only with GSMA, but also with the 3GPP. We are working together to put standards in place to really 
provide an answer to their question. Please create some standards that will allow interoperability for this telco edge cloud concept. And we call uh, often uh, also in the standard bodies about a federation. It's not an ownership of anything. In a federation, when there are multiple operators, they are just collaborating and joining forces and sharing infrastructure and edge resources to each other. And also with the partners like hyperscalers, whatever is the infrastructure, there can be in principle a very diverse ecosystem of partners, very heterogeneous. Some operator will come along, some other with an hyperscaler with different edge infrastructure, and they can decide what they want to share in the federation. It's like a party. Eh? I bring my Coca-Cola, you bring uh, your other drinks, and we go together with the same the same party. And then and, and federation for a yeah, second. So so it's it's a word that some people yeah. are very familiar with. <laughs> sure. it, let me try to describe how I hear it, which is okay. you have different operators with different business models, different funding, different countries, maybe different locations yes. around the planet, different resources, and you're saying that you can present a common pool of resources potentially across multiple operators that a yeah. developer could consume. So I could write an application once and have it run globally, potentially, if enough people adopt the standard. Is that what you mean by federation? Please remember, Matt, that this is not just a concept that I invented myself or in Mac. If you look at many years ago, there was, let's say, a cloud computing concept, let's say, defined by an IEST and also the cloud federation concept. What is IEST? Uh, NIST, uh, oh, National I okay, got Institute. It. Yeah, it's an American institution of a, a standard technology. So it's a, the, the cloud federation is a defined concept by NIST, and based on that, you can understand if you want to move to the edge, you can understand what can be the edge federation or the Mac federation. Now, is, what cl are, is cloud federation the same thing as multi-cloud? Kind of. I okay. always see cloud federation, multi-cloud, maybe, yes. But now there are also other terms, like the operators talk about the telco edge cloud or operator platform. Terminology is <laughs> very various, and so we, we can get easily into confusion. But the point is, really, yes, the opportunity is, as an operator A or B, I can exploit the infrastructure of someone else in a certain location, and having my app hosted by the infrastructure of someone else to be closer to my customers. It's like a sort of Mac roaming. If you are okay. an operator, you don't have a certain sense. footprint in account. Your customers, they're in holiday. I don't know, from Spain to Italy, they want to enjoy. And they have a SIM card from Spain, but they are in roaming. And there is also the opportunity to give a sort of service continuity, okay? That gives them the feeling that, of course, they are just connected to another edge, but they don't care. This yeah. is just a technicality for the end customer. The essence is there. They can have this kind of service continuity and enjoy the usage of a certain endpoint application for their terminal that yeah. can be close to their location, whatever they are. And the federation is a tool for that because it can be bidirectional. There are business agreements, of course, among those kind of stakeholders. It's up to them to decide what they want to share, in which conditions, and so on. But there is a mutual benefit of doing that, joining forces and sharing infrastructure resources with the benefit for the end customer. This is a great market an opportunity for everybody. Of course, 
this is coming with a big complexity, I can tell you for sure. <laughs> roaming is is sort of genius, right? I remember when I had my first cellular phone, roaming didn't really work or you'd end up someplace and it would cost you a lot of money. Roaming today is just brilliant. Like it just works. It makes a lot of sense to me that I my phone is used, I mean, I'm just saying my phone, it could be any device, but this is what yeah. people can understand. It could be my car, it could be my, my computerized lake. Oh, I mean, the whatever. car as well, yes. Yeah, so, but but the fact that I can consume the same applications, my device will operate the same way no matter where they are in the world is very compelling, but it's also super compelling for the developer because that means my addressable market is, exactly. is gigantic. Like if, if I have to write a separate application for every single operator, you Certainly. know, I got one for Vodafone and one for Verizon and one for Telecom Italia, like I, I just, that make my head explode. But if I can yeah, run totally. one app yeah. and have it run across a federated met cloud that that's pretty exciting and i do think it's super complex but roaming was super complex and so if anybody's uh, capable yeah, of solving sure. it, it it's the telecom industry uh, you are totally right matt uh, you mentioned also the car this is one key example where this kind of use case is very critical uh, talking can about you walk us through like a really really clear use case that that like that normal people could understand yeah, sure. There are multiple tires or with multiple operators that you can find in many press releases, uh, also from, for example, 5GAEA. I know this because I'm working as well in 5GAEA, but this is just a public information. But automotive, also because 5GAEA, it's in the membership of Mac, and they have a urgent need of put some standards in place for that. So one of the examples and uh, use cases, which are also, by the way, captured by GSMA in their OPG group, uh, is on edge resource node sharing. And typically, if you, I believe this is very straightforward to understand also for everybody. And when a typical example of a smart city and the cars, you cannot imagine in the city there will be only one single kind of cars. Everybody with a BMW or with a Ferrari or with a, it's not realistic, right? We have to think about, first of all, there are multiple car OEMs in this scenario. And you cannot pretend to have everybody, all the cars connected with a single operator. This is not realistic. Again, so in real life, you have multiple operators, multiple cars, maybe the SIM card connected with a multiple operator network. And then, of course, each of them can have their own Mac vendor and network infrastructure vendors. So there is a heterogeneous scenario in three, three uh, dimensions, multi-MNO, multi-car OEM, and multi-vendor. This is the level of complexity. In three yeah. dimension, the level of complexity, this kind of heterogeneous system. There needs to be a standard for that. Ex <laughs> so can you join Mac, please? Because you know exactly what, <laughs> what is yeah. there. So, yeah, they, that's, they that's... are desp in desperate need of a standard for that because they are asking, please, please put in standard that kind of things because for longer term benefits in terms of interoperability, I believe this is the keyword, system of stakeholders, to build end-to-end -end this kind of service, we have to collaborate and everybody has to talk the same language in terms of data exchange practically. That's the role of the standard. So RESTful APIs, data types, definitions, all the messages, everything should be in the standard. Otherwise, it's a mess. Well, in the competition, otherwise, there is no cake for anybody, right? You talk about the total addressable market, and then just having a portion of the, of the cake <laughs> of the market, if we compete and don't create a standard, there is no cake for anybody. There is no market. So the standard is enabling this entire cake and allowing them to work together because it is not actually competition, it's not collaboration.
That's the approach of ETSIMEC with this kind of heterogeneous uh, set of members and participants, really not just because we love collaborating, but this is also need from the industry. They, they need that. I might want to drive my car from Italy to France, right? And I want, yeah, I want, exactly. I want all of the capabilities, whether they're safety-oriented or navigation or entertainment. I want all those to go with me. Yeah, exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So I wanted to come back to something you mentioned earlier that's actually – a pretty passionate interest of mine. I call it observability. I think you may have called it something else, but I work with a lot of developers that build applications at, at the edge that are very, very latency sensitive, very, very jitter sensitive, very, very timing sensitive. And one of the things that they need that isn't obvious to most people is they need to be able to react in real time in autonomous ways to conditions of the network at the millisecond level, right? And so one of the challenges, not just wireless, wireless was sort of a black box for a long time, or you know, certainly all that observability is controlled by the, by the operator, but also in, in data centers and wired networks and all of that, like that has been something that, that whoever owned that would control it and wouldn't want it to go out. Or if, if they did want it to go out, they don't have the tools to expose it in the, the way that a developer needs to consume it. And I know that getting access to that data is pretty foundational to MEC. So can you talk a little yeah. bit about how MEC is looking at that and, and what you see evolving there? Yeah, thank you. This is a very interesting question. And also, if I'm allowed to say, I'm not exaggerating, but you are talking really about a critical need to understand, well, not all for all use cases, to be fully no, honest. No, but, but for a lot of the really important ones. Yeah, we have to be also very honest, and, and that, that's important for, for the credibility. We cannot claim for all the use cases there is the same requirement in terms of latency, but there are critical use cases which are in need. Well, it's not just latency, it's resilience. Of course, of course. But talking about, for example, latency, you mentioned yeah. the information from the network. This is very yes. critical. And sometimes, for example, there is a, a, an API, for example, in Mac, a Radio Network Information API, the Mac 12 specification. This is starting since the beginning. Of course, this is tailored to the radio access network. For yeah, the is there a fixed cellular. network? Yeah, the same, the okay. same thing. There is a spec on WLAN and a spec on fixed access APIs. They are, right. let's say, the same, the, the brothers, uh, the equivalent for the other kind of access technologies. I cannot exclude in the future there will be other versions. And now we're also we are having a study item exploring uh, abstracted uh, information for application developers. So we are kind of building a developer-friendly environment, an API that could abstract also information. Because as an application developer, you don't have to be expert on 5G. Actually, they need also to have information in time about what's happening there in terms of network conditions. I can tell you even more. You may want to know it even in advance. Before that, no, I'm not joking, Matt. <laughs> Just like predicting the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, no, I totally understand. But it's a reality. Yeah. Uh, I'm not joking. This is also part of the activities in 3GPP as well. It's called in advance QS prediction notifications. And we have also predicted QS activity in 5G in the association for the automotive. So it's a huge work. You can have a look to the white papers published by 5GAA and now in the Mac V2X API because we have an API for VideoX, and we are about to publish the next releases soon, very interestingly, but already in the published version, there is a predicted QoS data type. That's the cool. application should be able to carry 
form a sort of function which is called a prediction function which can be everywhere in the network in the terminal I don't care maybe done by other third parties that can elaborate a sort of big data prediction analytics yeah. and WDAF is that's an genius example. to build it into the API that's really yeah. really that's the right way to do it that's that's yeah, really it's neat. A, can be also driven by AI. Some engine that could elaborate the data series from the past and can do some predictions. Of course, we cannot predict with the same reliability, different deepness of the future. But depending on the need, you may have an information about the reliability of the prediction itself and so on and so forth. Just to give you the example, for example, for the automotive side, you may want to understand if your automated and connected car feature can be activated with a certain level of uh, acceptable reliability mm -hmm. for the car maker because I don't want to risk the life of my customers, of the driver, right. and offer a service. To do that, how reliable is my wireless network? Mm -hmm. Of course, people will tell you 100% being a wireless mean, there is no uh, situation where you can guarantee 100% that the network is having a certain level of minimum quality of service. There is always a level of confidence which is acceptable. But in any case, you need an assessment. So for example, there are activities in standard bodies and industrial association, QS stands for quality of service. And you want to predict quality of service of the network. And this can provide some data that can be gathered at application side through Mac API, for example, for the Bitwix. And the application, knowing it in advance this situation, can adapt. Like, for example, for a video streaming, you mentioned the infotainment. Uh, if there is a stream, maybe there is a bandwidth needed, and you'd know that you are just entering a tunnel in the mountains, and, and then you just predict there will be a, a, a drop of the signal. But maybe you have also some buffering at application yeah, level right. somewhere that can compensate. But if you know in advance, you can just tune how much bandwidth or change the level of uh, the resolution, the resolution for a little bit of, of time. Yes, system. right. And in practical case, if the application has this kind of information in advance, they can exploit it and improve the quality of service perceived by the customer. Maybe yeah. me, as a customer in the car, I don't understand what's happening there. I simply see a better service and I'm, I'm happier, right? What's happening there, it's a kind of magic. <laughs> this is one of the, the sort of little, little understood and not yet very well marketed aspects of building applications that run reliably at the edge and deliver a, a, an acceptable you know, service level. And I'm glad that, that Etsy Mac is is pursuing that because it, it's like the whole thing falls apart without that. Like it's just it's such sure, a critical sure. piece of it, and it's really neat that you've built in the the prediction. So you're looking at the world through the associations that you're part of, and indirectly through Etsy, maybe indirectly GSMA and the 5G Automotive Association, all of this, and. Outside that world is a lot of other stakeholders, a lot of complexity. Yeah. If you could nudge one aspect of this, because the entire vision what? that you have is slowed down by what's slowing it down? What would you try to push through? I can tell you one of our priorities also is uh, to complement our activities and collaborate with open source communities. Okay. Like Kubernetes, uh, like the CNCF? We are having collaboration with the LF Edge. For example, okay, this great. Mac yeah. Hackathon is jointly organized with, between Etsy and LF Edge, cool. Acraino. Acraino is a, a project which is collaborating with us. Of course, being aware that this is a standard body. We, we are not doing something that is 
done by open source communities. Our work in Etsymac as a standard body is complementary with open source, but should be really genuinely aware of what's happening there. And when, when you design something, this has to be, let's say, aligned with what, what is the trend, right? So when there was the advent of the NFV, we clarified uh, in Mac Phase 2 already how you can deploy with the virtual machines. And then the, with the advent of containers, we clarified alternative virtualization technologies that can, can be adopted by Mac. This was really driven by the external world outside there. And we are collaborating with open source. Of course, I would love to increase this level of collaboration because I believe this is very important. Also in Etsy, there are some open source groups which are starting. The old example was OSM, Open Source Mano, for the management and orchestration framework driven by the, the, the advent of an FEV and so on. But in general, I believe the standard not only in Etsy, in general, the standards should be very aware of what's happening also outside there, especially in the open source. Sometimes practical implementation, working code is starting from there and not uh, from the standard. Actually, we'll say that it will be even better. This should be actually the rule. Always the standard should be driven by implementations. That will be the golden rule, not vice versa. Let's not invent something that then it's just paper used by nobody. That's what the open yeah. source, like source code efforts have really been good about. You know, the, the, fra the phrase yeah. in developers, code wins, right? Like you could debate whether the API, API should have eight parameters or nine. The guy that does the pull request that's that's who wins because that's the implementation. I think that's very very yeah, yeah. smart. Sure, sure. We have a collaboration with LF on that since years, and I would love also to strengthen this kind of collaboration. I, I can hide my my wish that soon maybe they will also join, even the making directly contribute. Why not? Right. Yeah. But of course, it's a different environment, so maybe they they have to make this code stable and then also converge in the industry among different stakeholders. Yeah. Once they feel happy, this is also part of the collaboration we are having with OPG in multi-party collaboration, OPG, GSMA, and Camara in CNCF, and Etsy and 3GPP. Eh? So GSMA is asking us to put standards in place for that, and equally they are collaborating with, the, with Camara and CNCF for the open source reference implementations and so on. What is Camara? Camara project is a project in CNCF working on the open source area to cover this kind of telco edge cloud environment. Oh, interesting. And, uh, is that an implementation of the API, an open source implementation? It's, a, it's hard to explain one single sentence, but actually starting from the telco edge cloud, they are doing some early work more urgent from open source side. We, okay. as a standard bodies, we are targeting, putting in standardizations, the key reference point and interfaces for this kind of operator platform architecture, which is requested by GSMA. So at the end of the day, I will hope there will be, let's say, a sort of input from open source to standards. At least we are providing in our Mac open area, the Mac 40 specification for the edge east-west bound interface for the Mac Federation. And we are welcoming also direct contributions to the standards. So there is a possibility for that. Of course, as all the standard work, this is a contribution driven. Yeah. So it depends on contributors. But as a customer oriented approach, as I said, 
I uh, always there with the uh, door open for them. And I would love to see inputs on that because that's really a genuine sense of feeling that there is a, an, an interest and a need to put in the standard something. So we are just uh, doing what is needed and requested by customers, in this case, GSMA, for defining the interfaces. Once there will be a more detailed definition of the APIs, they can join and implement it. Vice versa, for example, there can be, as you mentioned, adopting Mac APIs. Yes, this is something that is, for example, defined in a Craino project, and there are different projects and blueprints which are using Mac APIs and Mac frameworks and specifications. There is an interactive mind map in the, their API portal where they are using Mac standards and APIs. This is happening. So also vice versa is possible. And, and this is a nice collaboration that we are having with Acreino since a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of time. Hey, D Dario, thank you so much for yeah. giving us a view into this world that I think very few people understand and obviously more should because it's going to be very critical in us evolving these applications that we want to deliver at the edge. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. How can people find out more about Etsy Mac or get involved? Sure. Of course, they can contact me. <laughs> I, I can be happy to facilitate or, or they can go on the Etsy.org website or type just in the search engine Mac Multi-Access Edge Computing. There is a website for our our group, which is the public portal, Etsy.org slash technologies slash Multi-Access Edge Computing. Eh? And they can find everything there. All the information, there is a nice video clip on talking about what's actually Mac, uh, the specifications, uh, the other initiatives in the area, white papers that you mentioned, hackathon information, trials, proof of concepts, all the initiatives that there are. And uh, of course, if they want to join Mac, I believe this is a great opportunity. I believe this is the momentum. I see also growing interest on in that from many companies. And of course, we will love to see inputs because actually this is the value. Right? If you want to join and we want to influence the standard that's this is the moment. Excellent. So thank you so much, Dario, for being part of our show. And maybe we'll have you back in a year and you can give us an update. Certainly. I would love to meet you again. Thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much. And thank you for your attention. That does it for this episode of Over the Edge. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review and tell a friend. Over the Edge is made possible through the generous sponsorship of our partners at Dell Technologies. Simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting Dell.com. <laughs>